0: You're listening to Comedy Central. June thirteenth, two 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Tonight is a Democratic congressman from Ohio and a candidate for president of the United States. Tim Ryan is joining us, everybody. Also on tonight's show, everything you see on TV is fake. You meet the dogs who live better than you, and it's now legal for foreign governments to meddle in America's elections. So let's catch up on today's headlines. First up, the college admissions scandal. Three months ago, we found out that dozens of parents were paying millions of dollars to cheat their kids' way into college. But in their defense, it was only because their kids were dumb as shit. Well, today, (laughs) the courts gave us a taste of the punishment that's about to come. And unfortunately, the taste isn't very satisfying.
1: In Boston, the first defendant of that massive college admissions cheating scandal was sentenced today. John Vandemore pled guilty to federal racketeering charges, admitting he took
0: $610,000 in bribes to try to get privileged students admitted at Stanford through a side door. Prosecutors asked for 13 months in prison, but his defense attorneys argued for leniency, saying he used the money to pay for sailing uniforms, equipment, and staff costs the former head coach of the Stanford University sailing team, sentenced to one day behind bars, time served, two years probation and a $10,000 fine. My actions were wrong, I see that now. But my intentions were to help the team. I will carry this with me for the rest of my life. Wow. He got sentenced to just one day? I've been stuck in the airport longer than that. (laughs) And it's funny how people only noticed that they were doing a bad thing after they get caught. My actions are wrong. I see they're gonna like, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> so when you were taking $600,000 in bribes, you didn't think that was wrong? You're just like, I'm getting a, fe- a weird feeling, but I want to see where this goes, yeah. <laughs> like, do you understand how greedy it is to take bribes as a sailing coach? Being a sailing coach is already a scam, right? <laughs> you just hang out all, all day on a boat and you wear a sweater all wrong. You don't even have to work. The wind does all the work for you. <laughs> But let this be a lesson to the kids. Yeah, if you're black and caught using weed, you could spend years in jail. But if you're a coach at Stanford convicted of racketeering charges, you might have to go to prison for the rest of your night. <laughs> Let's move on, because uh, we've got some very sad news to report. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders is quitting. <laughs> no, I... I said, I said, she's, I said she's quitting. I said, she's quitting. (laughs) And uh, we know that this is true because she's denied it. (laughs) But this news isn't that surprising because you realize she stopped giving press conferences months ago. So it's just quitting what she already wasn't doing. She's basically quit being press secretary the same way Trump quit CrossFit. So let's move on (laughs) because there is breaking news about a major archeological discovery that'll blow your mind, man.
1: And it turns out people have been getting high on pot
2: for at least 2,500 years. Archaeologists in far western China say they have found the earliest direct evidence of marijuana use. It includes 10 wooden bowls containing burnt residue of pot apparently used in
0: burial rituals. That's right, it turns out humans have been getting high since 500 B.C. So I guess now we know why they call it the Stone Age, yeah. (laughs) If had a band that would have killed even harder. Uh, and it's interesting how the archaeologists discovered it. They found bowls with burnt out weed, and they also found DVDs of the hit prehistoric movie Dude, What's a Car? It also must have been weird being a caveman who discovered weed, right? He was probably sitting there with an unlit blunt in his mouth looking at his friend like, man, this weed is amazing. And once we discover fire, this shit's gonna hit even harder, man. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our main story. Let's talk about strangers. As kids, we were all taught the same lesson. If a stranger tries to talk to you, you run away and tell your mom. In fact, you all probably remember those hilarious PSAs that were on TV all the time.
2: You've already been told about strangers dressing up in uniforms, but there are other
1: traps you need to know about. Hey, kid, I'll teach you how to hit this ball
0: right over the fence. Come on, it'll be fun. Trust your own feelings. Hey, kid, how you doing? Um, You know, we're making a movie over there. You wanna go see it? Mm -hmm. Only professional agencies hire kids for TV work. Stay away from people in cars or vans.
2: Your mom's been hurt. She's in the hospital. She sent me to come and get you. What's the secret code word?
0: I don't know the code word. You don't need to get near the car to talk to someone inside. God damn! that girl got away quickly. She didn't even mess around. She gave that woman half a second to prove herself and just Usain bolted out of there. Yeah, she didn't just run down the street. She hopped on a moving train and left town forever. She's like, no code word. (laughs) And also, was it just me, or were some of those actors in that PSA a little too good, huh? (laughs) Like that toe tickler over here, huh? (laughs) That guy's either the best actor in the world or he wasn't acting at all. (laughs) Now, even though those videos were hilarious, we all got the message, right? It's not safe to take candy from strangers. But yesterday, we found out about one person who clearly never learned that lesson growing up. And that person is now the president of the United States. And breaking news, stunning words from the president tonight. Trump saying, moments ago, that he would take dirt on his 2020 political opponent if Russia, China, or any foreign country offered that dirt. That he'd take the dirt and not call the FBI. Okay, this is just crazy, people. After everything this country has gone through, huh? Russian meddling, two years of Mueller, and that shitty Game of Thrones ending. After all of that! (laughs) Trump has turned around and said that he would accept foreign help to win the 2020 election. Like, apparently, foreign dirt is the only import he won't put tariffs on. And I guess, in a way, it makes sense. Why would Donald Trump do anything differently in 2020 if he never faced any real consequences for 2016? He won the election, he's not being charged, he's almost definitely not being impeached. Like, from his perspective, using intel from foreigners worked out great. It's like touching a hot stove and getting an orgasm. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't happen that way for most people, but if it works for you, you're going to just keep touching stores all the time.) Psh, ah. <laughs> now, usually, usually, when Trump gets into trouble for saying something, it's because of a tweet that he sends that everyone interprets a different way, but this time it's coming
2: straight from the horse's mouth.: Your campaign this time around, if foreigners, if Russia, if China, if someone else offers you information on an opponent, should they accept it or should they call the FBI? I think maybe you do both. I think you might want to listen. I don't, there's nothing wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think I'd want to hear it.
0: Wait, Norway? (laughs) No one's talking about Norway. Norway's not trying to meddle in America's election. Like what secret information would Norway even have? Gonna be calling in like, hello, I don't know if you know this, but Kamala Harris likes fjords. Oh, and also Pete Buttigieg likes fjords. Oh, and this is a good one. Elizabeth Warren likes small fjords. All of our information is about fjords. But why is he bringing up Norway? And of course, Trump would take a call from Norway. He loves Norway. I bet you if Zimbabwe called Trump for any reason, he'd be like, hello, 911, I'd like to report a shithole country. And even when Stephanopoulos pressed Trump on the legality of colluding with a foreign nation, Trump doubled down and then even tripled down.
2: Okay, let's put yourself in a position. You're a Congressman. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I have information on your opponent. Do you call the FBI? I don't because think, it's coming from I'll tell Russia, you, what. you do. I've seen a lot of things over my life. I don't think in my whole life I've ever called the FBI. In my whole life. I don't you don't call the FBI. You throw somebody out of your office. You do whatever. Al you know. Gore got a stolen briefing book. He called the FBI. Well, that's different. A stolen briefing book. This isn't a stolen. This is somebody that said we have information on your opponent. Oh, let me call the FBI. Give me a break. Life doesn't the work. The FBI out. director says that's what should happen. The FBI director is wrong.
0: Whoa, the FBI director is wrong. I guess Trump likes law and order until the law doesn't follow his orders because that was a weird one. And also, did anyone pick up the part where he says, I've seen a lot of things in my life and never called the FBI. (laughs) Now I'm just wondering what other crimes Trump has witnessed that he didn't report. I've seen it all, George. Murders, kidnappings, weirdos tickling kids' feet. But I ain't no snitch. (laughs) Now here's the thing, this is not one of those issues that's left versus right, Democrat versus Republican. No, in fact, even Trump's loyal subjects are calling him out. Some Republicans who are normally
2: hesitant to rebuke the president are speaking out. Yeah, my reaction is you should reach out to the FBI. The appropriate action to take is to call the FBI. Yeah, I think it's a mistake. I think, I think it's a mistake of law. I don't want to send a signal to encourage this.
0: Nothing's free in this world. You don't want a foreign government or a foreign entity giving you information because they're gonna want something back, and if anybody knows that, it's the president, because there is no free lunch. If someone gives you information, then they're gonna want influence. Yes, the man on the couch is right. (laughs) Nothing in life is free. And I know right now in the audience, you're thinking to yourself, what do you mean, Trevor? Tickets to The Daily Show are free. (laughs) Yeah. that's what we told you on the way in. (laughs) But now it's time to pay. Cause look, here's the thing. Republicans agree on this, Democrats agree on it, the couch people are saying it. Everyone is against Trump's pro-meddling policy. Trump decided to do this thing on his own and now he's had to get on Twitter to try and do some damage control
1: it's clear this morning though that the president is a bit defensive he is tweeting about it i meet and talk to foreign governments every day i just met with the queen of england uk the prince of wales and the president of poland we talked about everything should i immediately call the fbi about these calls and meetings how ridiculous i would never be trusted again he writes Okay,
0: first of all, there's a big difference between foreign nations slipping you dirt on your opponents and small talk with the queen, all right? (laughs) Trump makes it sound like we expect him to be in a broom closet of Buckingham Palace, like, hello, FBI, you won't believe what the queen just did. She farted. (laughs) She called it a butt Brexit, but I know what it means. (laughs) And also, unless Trump secretly met with Free Willy, that's not how you spell (laughs) Prince of Wales. (laughs) That's a different thing. But look, man, typos are the least of America's problems right now. (laughs) Because the president of the United States has basically invited foreign governments to interfere in America's elections if it'll help him win. And that can be a really dangerous thing that could get him and America into big trouble. So look, to help the president understand how serious this is, we decided to make a PSA just for him. Hello, Mr. President, it's me. Officer Roy, and I'm here to give you tips on how to say no
2: to collusion. I am sexy Russian spy. I use this portable supercomputer to hack DNC servers. Please to come with me and do collusion.
0: Stay away from Russians that are just trying to help. Hey, I'm Canadian. you want to hear secrets about Pete Buttigieg being gay? If a foreign government approaches you, run away and tell the FBI.
2: Donald! a Norwegian with dirt on Joe Biden I'll trade you for the nuclear codes. Sorry, it's time for my golf game. What? Again? Now you got it. Just say no to collusion.
0: we we'll right back, everybody. You know, some news stories help us understand the world we live in. And some news stories are just stupid. For those, we turn
2: to Ronnie Chang. One thing I've learned about Americans is that Americans love their pets. And I'm here to say, why? Pets are kind of stupid. I mean, you spend all your time picking up their poop And then on top of that, when they die, you have to go through all the trouble of throwing them in your neighbor's yard? Uh, no thanks. But that's just me, okay? Other people are obsessed with their pets and it's, quite frankly, getting out of control. Dog owners often consider their pets part of the family. And a new trend has some families treating their furry friends
1: More like people. It's called the humanization of pets and it's become a big business across America. Massages, blueberry facials, even pot
2: This is where doggies come for their ultimate spa treatment. We then give them a massage, a grooming. Okay, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Dogs don't need a spa day. Every day of a dog's life is a spa day. someone feeds you, someone bathes you. I mean, they roll over, they get a massage, but when I roll over on the massage table, I get arrested, okay, yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. And people aren't just throwing away their money on dog spas. They're also wasting it on fine doggy dining.
1: A Manhattan restaurant has rolled out a special menu just
2: for dogs. Check out what's on it. A $42 ribeye steak with steamed veggies, a lemon-drizzled salmon filet for 28 bucks, grilled chicken breast for 16, light bites of carrots and apples and a berry bowl. Why are you feeding dogs $40 steaks? (laughs) You realize dogs will eat their own poop. In fact, if I ran this restaurant, I would just take the poop from my last dog customer and feed it to the next dog customer, okay? The dogs would be just as happy and you're recycling. So there's dog facials, dog massages, dog steaks, and if you want an extra helping of dumbass dog ideas, how about dog mansions? A company in London has launched what's likely the
1: most lavish dog houses you've ever seen. Talk about a pampered pooch here. Take a look. Each kennel has air conditioning, it has heating. It even has treat dispensers. Oh, and a conference calling system so you can (laughs) communicate with your pup. By the way, prices start at uh, $35,000 and go all the way up
2: to $170,000. $170,000. I mean, who are these rich, crazy Caucasians? This is disgusting, okay? There are millions of homeless dogs in shelters, and these rich sons of bitches are living in mansions. And I mean literally. Their moms are bitches. That's the scientific term. (laughs) By the way, what kind of dog needs a conference calling system? What would that call even sound like? Uh, uh, hey, boy, uh, just calling to check in. Uh, you still a dog? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, cool, bye. You know what? (laughs) Being human sucks, okay? I want to be a dog. That's why I'm officially putting myself up for adoption to be someone's pet. That's <laughs> right. I'm just as good as any dumb dog. I can sit, I can roll over, shake hands, and with just a few more weeks of yoga, soon I too will be able to lick my own butthole.
0: Running <laughs> shake, <me check>, everybody! <laughs> Give me a high five. Come on. My guest tonight represents Ohio's 13th Congressional District and is a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate. Please welcome Congressman Tim Ryan. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And officially, welcome to the debates. You found out today that you have qualified for the debates. Yes. Yes. We're
1: excited about it. That that is... uh...
0: Is that, is that a weight off your shoulders? Because there's so many candidates right now that it really is like who's gonna be at the debates and now you're gonna be
1: there. Yeah, a little bit. Most people would have never given me a chance to get on the debate stage and here we are. And that's kind of the beginning of the game and just we're in the game and we're excited to get our message out. Right, do you
0: really believe that you have a shot in this game? Mm-hmm. Just because you are one of the candidates who's living in that world where in some places you're polling between zero and 2%, right? And I know you don't believe you're out of it, but why?
1: where I come from, I represent the forgotten communities of the country, and I think you look at the history of these races, Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, uh, Donald Trump, right. I mean, the, the winner usually comes out of nowhere. And I think when people hear that I come from a forgotten community, I've represented these forgotten people who have lost jobs the last 30 or 40 years. I can go back to steel mills closing outside of Youngstown, Ohio Mm -hmm. in the late 1970s. My father-in-law was one of them. I could tell you a story 15 years ago about my cousin Donnie, he was a Vietnam vet. His last act at his factory was to unbolt the machine from the factory floor, put it in a box, and ship it to China. And I could tell you a story a couple of weeks ago, the General Motors factory that used to have 16,000 people is now idle. So when people hear that I know what they're going through, yes. I understand it. That's what we need in the White House. And I make one promise to them, Trevor. All I say is all I know and all I can promise you is when I'm in that White House, when I walk into that Oval Office every morning, I won't forget who you are and I'll know exactly what to do on your behalf. And a, I think when that message gets out, we're going to move. You, you, you talk about those people who are in your district, and, and it, what really is
0: fascinating about those voters is many of them voted for Barack Obama. Yeah. And then they switched over to Donald Trump. Who promised that their jobs would come back? Right. As you said, the yeah. plants are still closing. Yeah. But we're reading that many of them still support Donald Trump. So how would you sway that type of voter who seems to still be with him even though his promises have fallen apart?
1: You know, I think those articles are overstated. I think the shine's coming off the apple. People are saying, you made all these promises and you hadn't delivered. Mm -hmm. And so my argument to the Democratic uh, voter is to say look, who better to prosecute the case on the economy than the very person who represents the communities that Donald Trump lied to about bringing the economy back. He hasn't done a damn thing. We're still getting our rear ends kicked by China with electric vehicles, with solar panels, with wind turbines, all these manufacturing jobs that I want to bring back. Yes, He hasn't done anything to do that. So I'm the best person to prosecute that case in Prosecute, sorry. But prosecute that case in western Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana. Those states that we need to win on an economic argument, I believe I'm the best person to do that.
0: You, you have been big on economics. That's been your, your, your talking point for a very long time. You've said that Democrats need to talk economics, otherwise they will lose elections. What does that mean when you say that?
1: Well, it means you have to talk to what people are thinking about and what they're feeling. Seventy-five percent of the American people still live paycheck to paycheck 40 percent of the american people can't withstand a 400 emergency which means you blow your tire out or somebody gets sick your economic life unravels and we have to speak directly to that now those are those are you know the people i represent every mm-hmm. single day and that's what they're thinking about and it's not just my district it's you, there's tent cities in los angeles there's people who are in the fishing industry on the coast that are affected by climate and everything else right they're losing their jobs there's you know, manufacturing people in my area. And they're not white people. It's white, black, brown, gay, straight, urban, rural people in in, uh, rural Iowa uh, are getting killed right now. Farmers haven't made a profit in five years, and Mm -hmm. they have the highest suicide rate. So everyone's hurting now. It's time for us to come together. I think it's time for us to have a nominee and a president who actually understands what everyone's going through. And it's from a part of the country who's been dealing with this for decades. So do you genuinely believe that the 23 other candidates don't cover these bases? Not, not like I do, right. I and mean, this is where I live. I've lived here 45 years, and as I said, my father-in-law, my cousins, when these factories close, I know who they are. Do you think that the Democratic
0: Party has, has become a party where some of these people have forgotten how to speak to some of these people who live in, in these areas you're speaking about?
1: To some extent. We've become a very coastal party. We've become a very Ivy League party. And I think we've forgotten, in many ways, how to talk to the workers. I right. mean, when, when I campaign for my reelection for Congress, it's wages, it's pensions, it's health care, it's mental health. It's education, affordability, making sure you can get your kid into a certificate program or two-year mm-hmm. degree mm-hmm. or college, bread and butter issues. That's how you beat Donald Trump, because he hasn't delivered for them. Let's talk about education. One thing that I've, I've, I've really been intrigued by is how you've talked
0: about being 100% for education, but reshaping the way education is spoken about in America. You're not a big fan of everyone being pushed towards college or nothing. Right. What does that mean and why is that important to you?
1: Well, most of the jobs in the future, you talk about building an economy where we're making things again, electric vehicles, solar, wind, all these other things, yes. uh, technology. Those, most of those require a two-year degree most of them require a certification. So how do we start that a little earlier with vocational training in our high schools, start getting kids on a track, mm-hmm. and then getting them that certification, getting them that two-year degree, because that's where 70% of the people are gonna go. Yeah, we need, college needs to be, I think, free. I think, you know, we, it used to be K through 12 yes. for the old economy. That's free, everyone pays taxes, every kid can go. The economy has shifted dramatically, so K through 12 is just not gonna cut it anymore. So we need to expand it, but let's focus on these technical degrees, let's have an industrial policy and create that pipeline so these workers from high school certification can then fill those jobs. That's how you begin to build the economy. And when it comes to K through 12, we've gotta reform it in the sense that the first thing we have to do is deal with the kids' trauma. Most of the kids, my wife's a first grade teacher, uh, most of the kids that come in are in some kind of trauma. They have adverse childhood experiences that we never deal with. Right. And I want to push a social and emotional learning curriculum in every school in the United States, a trauma-based curriculum. I want a mental health counselor in every school in the United States. Wow. So we start dealing with the root causes of our kids' inability to learn. We know what the brain science tells us is that when you're in trauma, When you're in fight or flight mode, you literally can't access the part of your your brain you need to learn. Yes. So I don't care what your plans are. I mean, my wife's a teacher. I want her to make more. We should pay teachers more. But if you're not dealing with climate of the classroom and the trauma and adverse childhood experiences, you're not going to get the kid ready to learn. You've got all the policies.
0: The, The big challenge now for you is going to be getting noticed with all of the candidates out there. I noticed um, at, uh, at the gathering of the, of the Democrats that happened out in California, everyone chose a walkout, walkout song. You know, Elizabeth Warren had like 9 <laughs> oh, to 5, Dolly Parton. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bernie Sanders. He chose, everyone had a song that said something about them. Your song when you walked out was uh, Lil Nas X, Old Town Road.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, an interesting... What is, I, I couldn't figure out what does that mean? Like, what, what, are, what are you saying? I had one target audience there. And that was? My kids. I wanted
2: to look (laughs) cool. (laughs) Well, I hope you got that, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to
0: seeing you at the debate. Thank you. Congressman Tim Ryan, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com.